There we go. So that's going to be some nice little clicks. Yeah. Which I can use to line up the tracks. Yeah. And make sure that our listeners are not troubled by a, uh, a an odd echoey effect yeah. uh, by virtue of the we, tracks. We caught the echoes pretty bad after last episode and we've just about got over them. We did. We did. We, we had a terrible bout of the echoes. We did. Yep. But we took tablets and, you know, there was cream and stuff and we're all better <laughs> now and it's fine. Uh, well, it's a topical show. I'm not putting it there. It's a topical show. That was show. bad. I thought that was bad. <sighs> that was, but it had to be done. alcoholic in my coffee whatsoever you haven't even started it yet i haven't even started that's, that's actually Doomed. true oh that's very hot and there's oh, all the not coffee well there is an uh, there is an element <laughs> of that yeah 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 <laughs> okay okay um right it's frithcast time again it is um shall we do the thing shall we do the thing the thing the very <laughs> the very thing the very thing let's do the very thing would you like to do the, the, the thing Welcome, lovely listeners, to episode 64 of Frithcast. Dun, 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 dun. That's a different tune. Actually. It is. That's a very different tune from the one that we normally do. That was just a little bit of artistic license. I was I was going off on something actually a little bit more, um, what would you call that? Uh, a, little, a little bit more upbeat. Yeah. I mean, I like art. You know, don't get me wrong. Mm. It's all good. So, <laughs> lovely listeners, welcome to episode 64 of Frithcast. Gather around the virtual campfire, get your marshmallows on sticks, pull up a log, coffee, pull up a log, sit down, get your knees nice and warm, shift it in, everybody squidging at the back, hello listeners from Germany, we can see you, come on in, find a log. Nudge the the woodland creatures aside, the the badgers and the stoats and the owls and the werewolves and all that kind of thing. Which virtual campfire are you sitting around? Our one. The one in the terrifying deep woods. It's changed a bit. We're going to have to have a little bit of a chat about where the virtual campfire is and maybe set a boundary or two about who you're inviting to the virtual campfire. Wait, I've spent like 63 episodes being terrified of werewolves. Are you telling me I didn't need to? You did not need to. Oh, for pity's sake. I mean, they shed. They smell of wet dog. It's never a good thing. Some people like that kind of thing. Don't feed them beans. It's not going to be good. Oh, no. Oh no. No. Okay, so. Yes. I'm gonna. I melted down the silverware and everything. Do you know I wondered where that went? <sighs> Even the good spoons. Even the good spoons. <sighs> Lovely listeners, we're just gonna put mourning for our good spoons aside. <laughs> And come on back to Frithcast number 64. Indeed. Where we will be discussing... Well, what I'd like to do for this episode is take a look at the god Tyr Mm -hmm. and the nature of sacrifice in a kind of a follow-on thing. Tyr being particularly associated with sacrifice? Uh, Yes, but in a kind of a roundabout way. Okay. So I thought we'd put those two topics together, do a bit of a whirlwind... Into the thing yep. and see where we end up by the end of it. So I can't have werewolves, but we're gonna gonna end up with where where. <laughs> what the hell is in this? <laughs> you made it. <laughs> so I can't have werewolves, but you're gonna let us have whirlwinds. Yes. Okay. There is gonna be a wolf, but they kind of sidle in and sidle out of this episode. They do that. Yeah. They do that. You can see them. This one is. Walking through the streets of London in the rain. Sideways. Sideways. <laughs> Sidling. Yeah. Sidling on, through the streets. On Bourbon Street. <laughs> All of that. 
let's come back to Tia. Okay. Okay. So, Tia is one of the gods. We'll start there. Okay. Nice and simple, straightforward. He is one of the gods. He is a god. He is a god. Among a number of gods. Among a number of gods. Too slow? Okay, let's speed it up. <laughs> he is the god of... He's a god of war. Okay. Which is a little bit odd because that's not where my personal associations are. But he is noted as a god of war. Yep. He's a god of justice as well. And those connections come in a little bit later. Okay. And by nature of the only one story that I know he heavily features in... Mm-hmm. He's associated very much with sacrifice, right action, um, sacrificing almost the individual for the betterment of the whole group. So, let me get this right. Utilitarianism. Utilitarianism is the approach to a situation which uh, urges... The solution that will do the greatest good for the greatest number of people. The needs of the many. Exactly that. The needs of the many. The needs of the few. Yes, indeed. Or the one. Or the one. Not the one. Not the one. Not the one. Okay, so from what I know, and admittedly, my brain might be kind of sort of running on fumes. It's quite late in the day here. And also, we're around the virtual campfire and it's kind of chilly out time. There's not a lot of law that I know of with him in it. There is one mention of his name in a, a tale from the prose editor, I think, in which a Valkyrie instructs Sigurd, who's a human hero, to invoke the name of Tyr to bring victory in battle. Okay. The other place that I know he's mentioned as sort of a, a passing mention uh-huh. is in Loki's flighting, the Locusena, where Loki insults Tyr because he's kind of insulting everybody and says that Tyr only causes strife and that he doesn't bring people together in harmony. He just causes people to fight each other. Well, he's the god of war. He's a god of war. A god of war. A god of war. So... The yes, story... we, we have a selection of them as well. I, I know. Uh, the story... That, yeah, you see, he's going to kind of come in there as well. The story that I know him best from is The Binding of Fenrir. Okay. So this is not a story time, lovely listeners. You don't get an <laughs> extra one, sorry. Um, the Binding of Fenrir, in short, Fenrir, Locust son, is a very big wolf. You know, bad breath, sheds hair, wet dog smell. Yep zooming around and the gods are getting a bit jumpy because he's getting a bit big yeah and they don't like this idea they don't like the fact that he's running around free doing his thing not actually kind of doing anything bad just doing his thing they should have checked his paws when he was little because like when when the paws don't grow as much as the rest of them yeah so like they, if they have really really big paws when they're puppies Means they're going to end up being a really really big dog that's what i've heard anyway yeah. i don't know anything about dogs apart from which end is the front yeah, you see, Puppy Fenris is probably an image I'm not going to get out of my head for a little while. That's kind of cute and girly <laughs> and kind of nice and a little bit kind of one ear inside out thing going on. But that's just me. So, binding of Fenris. Fenris has got kind of big and a bit grungy yep. and a bit kind of doing his thing. And the gods are getting a little bit nervous. So they decide that they're going to bind him. Okay. They're going to try and contain him. And they know that if they go to him and try and use reason, it ain't going to work. No. Ain't going to happen. So they use the, the, the time-honoured tradition of coming at it sideways. Good. And use a, kind of a whole lot of underhanded trickery <laughs> <laughs> to get this to happen. And, yeah, um, they basically bet Fenrir. They call him into Asgard and they say to him, you know, you're a big mighty wolf. We bet that we can we can bind you, we can restrain you and we bet that you're not strong enough to get out of it. And Fenrir's like, no, sure, I like this game, but okay, I'll play. So they bind him the first time and it breaks. Okay. And he's like, ha ha, win for me. Mm-hmm. They bind him a second time with something bigger and heavier and Fenrir just does a bit of flexing and that breaks. Done. He's a big wolf. He's a big wolf. Shedding fur over Frigga's best furniture. It's not good. No. No. So then they 
bring out the third thing in threes. Yeah, again, yeah. story with a pattern of threes. Of again. course. They bring out the third thing, which is essentially a very, very thin thread. And Fenny was like, mm, what is this? Uh-huh. And they have made this thread out of nine impossible things. There's your number nine again. Okay. And oh, like, this is this is like out of like hen's teeth and oh yeah, rocking yeah. horse, yeah, that sort of thing. That sort of yeah. thing. Nine impossible things. Yeah. Have gone into making this very very fine thin thread. Okay. Very very fine. And Fenrir kind of looks at it and goes, mm, "Not sure about this one." And they basically go, "Oh, mate, if you're afraid, that's fine. Yeah, that's nothing to be ashamed of." Cough, coward, cough. <laughs> Fenrir was like, oh, "I am so getting on your bed and licking your nose to wake you up in the morning. <laughs> this is not happening. Do it." And the apocalypse. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Borp. Um, <laughs> kind of says i'm smelling a bit of kind of possible treachery here but i'm not going to say it out loud because you're all gods and you know don't really feel like i'm i'm getting this vibe anymore yeah tear god of war god of justice yep stands forward and goes all right the mate little fenrir cute puppo dog thing Papa. wet fur <laughs> everywhere thing going on I will put my right hand, my sword hand, I'm a warrior god, I'm the god of war, that all depends on my sword hand. Yeah. I will put that in your mouth. These guys will bind you with that tiny little wee thread. And if by some utter outside chance you cannot break it, you could sneeze on that and it would break. Yeah. If by some outside chance you cannot break it, you can bite my hand off. You see, I might have phrased that slightly differently. Yeah. I might have said to him, if you can prove that we're tricking you, yeah. you can bite my hand off. So if we, I mean, the whole bet is we can bind you. Yep. Is it not? Yeah, yeah. So what he's basically yeah. saying is, if we win the bet that you made in good faith with us, yeah. you can bite lose. my hand off. Yeah, because otherwise... It's a bit over-enthusiastic, but... Fenrir is kind of at the point where he's backing slowly out the room. Because he's a coward. Because he kind of... He's sent in a little bit of trickery on the air because the other two things have been mahoosive, huge bits of rope and chain and, and now great suddenly, big kind of... Argh, and now suddenly he's faced with a thread. He's got a bit of, like, fishing line or something. And he don't like it. Which is fair enough, to be fair. I mean, in fairness, fishing line is very strong, but you know what I mean. Yeah, so... And that, and 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 obviously the shouting coward at him, as only as it's got a shelf life basically, hasn't it? It's, it has. It's not going to yeah. last forever. No, and so Fenrir kind of looks. He's at not the Marty fact, McFly. No, not Marty McFly. Whole sneaker and jeans thing going on ain't happening. No. He'd look good in a body warmer. Don't, Don't no. do it. <laughs> do not have that, lovely listeners. Scratch that image from your brains. Do not have it. So got to kind of picture the scene all the gods and goddesses are gathered round they've got this wee little tiny scratty bit of thread that's soaking wet through it's nothing yeah yeah. yep and fenrir very very carefully puts his jaws around tears sword hand ah yeah for the benefit of listeners without television yes that was that was uh fenrir going ah ah yeah. Uh, but he's not biting yet. Not yet. Wait for it. Not uh, yet. Uh-huh. So the gods bind him. Now, what gets me about this story is the gods go ahead with what Tyr suggests. Mm. They don't say, no, 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 don't do it. No. They're all good for him doing this. Well, it's not their hand. No, I it's guess. not. But it's also Tyr, god of war. Yeah is about to lose his sword hand if this goes all horribly wrong, which, spoiler alert, you know, a bit of a prestige mm. ending going on here. Yeah. Kind of is going to go wrong. Or, on the other hand, it's going to go right, but at a phenomenal cost. At a phenomenal cost. Mm. So, spoiler alert, tweet length for the rest of the thing, hand, mouth, 
bindy, bindy, bindy. Oh nose, I cannot get out. Chomp. Chomp. Owie, owie, owie. Owie, owie, owie. Yeah, not yeah. good. So Fenrir is now bound, but Tyr no longer has his sword hand. So that, for me, is his association with right action, his association with sacrifice. In the end, they needed <clears throat> the creature bound. Yep. They had the means to do it, but they needed its cooperation. Yep. And the only way they could get its cooperation is to put something on the table, or in its mouth in this case, yep. that Fenrir would not believe that they would ever give up willingly. Yep. That's kind of the whole thing. Tyr loses his hand. Mm -hmm. Now, Tyr losing his hand and giving that up for the benefit of the gods and, by extension, the Nine Worlds... Because you've not got Fenrir running, running free, doing his doggy thing. Yeah. Has got parallels then with Odin giving up his eye for a drink from Mimi as well and the knowledge of foresight, foreshadowing. So they both willingly give up this huge sacrifice. So for me, Tyr represents sacrifice and right action, knowing what it will cost. Yeah. He knows what it will cost. He knows that there is no getting round this. Mm -hmm. This is what the cost has to be. And he pays it. Yeah. Well, let's back up a little bit. He's got an association with law. L-A-W law. Okay. Not L-O-R-E. All right. Uh, but law as in gathering, as in law speakers, as in thing places. And he has an association with law, hence justice. Mm-hmm. You can not, have a whole not, description about... Not always yeah, the same thing, but... Yeah, yeah. Law and justice <clears throat> don't generally sit together in the same basket particularly well mm. because you either have law or you have justice. You in many cases, they don't... doesn't tend to provide or run into the other one. They don't necessarily... The one does not bring about the other. Justice is very subjective. Law is absolute. absolute. I mean, yeah, as a, to go off to a mad tangent, we we would have, um, you know, from the Roman standpoint, mm. we have various gods that deal with law. Jupiter, uh, Juno, I'm doing the J's because, you know, otherwise I just sound pretentious. Jupiter, you know. Yeah. Yeah, various gods that actually de that deal with, with the law, uh, often in the form of the state and the workings of the state and all that kind of thing, but you also have Justitia. Who is goddess of balance? Justice? She's the goddess of justice. Yeah. You also have Nemesia. Uh, I was going to say I use and I use the name quietly. You, Nemesia. You also have Nemesis. Yes. <clears throat> um, who is she's primarily a Greek goddess actually, but she 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 kind of came over um, wholesale rather like Apollo did, um, and uh, she she is the bringer of balance, or the restorer of balance. She's uh, she is retribution. So when something is wrong in the universe, it's Nemesis that will bring it back into balance again. Um, she has absolutely no interest in how you feel about it. Or how the law feels about it. Or how the law it. feels, how the state about, feels it. about it. <laughs> Anything else feels about Essentially, it. Essentially, but she's, yeah. she's very, it's, like I say, very, very different concepts. But It's interesting that you mention the Roman connection because Tyr that I know has a much older association than Viking. He is much, much older than the Viking Age, although there's only you know, very bare fragments of what what the connections were and what he represented back then. Okay. The Romans know of a god called Tyr. Really? Yes. Okay. That one passed me by. And they equate him with Mars. Don't drop your coffee. The god of war? The god of war. Two gods of war chillaxing little brocade going on axing i can imagine yeah chill <laughs> kill axing netflix and kill <laughs> netflix and kill <laughs> so... mars uh another brief tangent and then i will <laughs> shut up um only brief yeah why spoil the habit of 37 63 episodes <laughs> thank you <laughs> love you <laughs> <laughs> going to mention that Mars yes he's the god of war he's also a god of agriculture mm. and he's a god of boundaries 
a little bit in the way of uh, of Janus, but more specifically to do with the boundaries of your land, <clears throat> the interface between your agricultural land, your uh, cultivated land, and the wilds. Okay. Um, and he is also very old, much older than Rome, but mm. I do not wish to get ahead of myself. No, it's it seems odd to me that the gods of war tend to be the most the ones with the longest life who just change a name and a coat and come into a different space. I wonder if there's some commentary on the human condition there. Uh, yeah, let's not go there. Lovely listeners, come <laughs> back to the virtual campfire. Do not follow Kate into the wilds. Definitely not. Um, but the Romans knew Tyr and they, what's the word, syncretised him with Mars. Okay, yep. So you got Mars... Thinkusus, I think. Think with the sea, but it's a hard sea. All right. So Mars of the Thing place. Mar the, Mars the Lawkeeper. L A W. Okay. Yeah. No, I'd not. I'd not run into that. Um, so the Scandinavian thing is like the a local parliament or a law, a space where disputes are settled, usually inside a fence or a rope enclosure. And if you're inside that, it's different to being outside that. When you're inside it, you have a voice and an active part in the proceedings. Yeah. When you're outside it, you're just witnessing what's going on. Yeah. So they call him literally Mars of the Thing Place. Wow. The law keeper. Mars the law keeper. Mars, again, it's to do with that boundary space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're civilised when you're inside it and you're on the wilds when you're outside it. You're, I guess you've so. got an active part in shaping society inside the boundary when you're outside you're just witnessing it looking in I yeah, like the boundary yeah. of agricultural land and the wilds yeah that boundary is is copied again and you might think well if he's a god of war and a god of law law courts mm-hmm. how do those two even get together because you kind of think war is a little bit unpredictable it's uh, violent it doesn't have rules but it does. Yes, it does. It has rules now. Mm. There are rules of combat about when and where you can do violence on the enemy. There are generally rules in place to stop you crime kind of hitting civilians. In theory, yeah. There are ones where you just hit active combatants rather than going after the civilians of that, that place or that town. Even now, we have a huge amount of law governing military engagement again the presence of law does not necessarily ensure the presence of justice it does not no but um violence in the viking age is strictly controlled okay everybody yes has the potential to be armed Uh but if you're going to have a big battle you can't just skype the guy who's your enemy and arrange it you've got to try and send messages to and from to say when and where that battle will take place because you're moving thousands of people by foot yeah plus your food plus your tents plus your weaponry plus your armor plus potentially horses ammunition arrows bows whatever else you is you need plus the train so you've got blacksmiths coming in there Mm. you might have cooks coming in with you you might have healers coming in with you you've got potentially an awful lot of people and then you're always going to have what the Romans would refer to as camp followers. So you've not only got the official, the, the people who are officially attached to that, I want to say legion, but you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, we're talking, in again, in Roman terms, we'd be talking sort of nigh four and a half thousand soldiers. Yeah. Plus auxiliaries, plus, as you say, various support people. So medics, uh, I mean, yeah, they do their own medicking, but you know, you'd all, you'd have the healers, you'd have the scouts, the, 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 you'd have the scouts, you'd have the priests, yep. you'd have the uh, you know the, the the seers who were going to to, to make sure Augury, all the all, all the go the yeah. make sure all the omens were done, was treated properly, all that. Plus, you've got the people who want to sell stuff to all of those. Yeah. So as you move through the landscape, you gather people from traders. around who will go, ah, there's a lot of potential customers. Yeah, traders. Yeah. Uh, professional gamblers yep. all of that but i can't see you know at pompey tweeting at kaiser <laughs> do you fancy a bit of a scrap next tuesday they have to do it another way and it's the same in the viking era 
you have to organise a day and or a date and a time or, and a place for your battle to take place. Yeah. And both sides have to agree it. So there is an awful lot of law and etiquette surrounding when and where is appropriate to kill people. And it sounds so strange, doesn't it? <clears throat> it does. But, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's written into... I mean, we take it for granted that these days there are everything from you know, localised rules of engagement for a particular uh, unit operating in a particular theatre under particular conditions, mm. um, which can be can be flexible and can, can change as the, as the overall situation changes and so forth. But you have the rules there, what you can do, what you can't do, when you can shoot, when you can't, yep. and so on. All the way up to, you know, international... The international laws of war, the, the Geneva Conventions, and and and, and yeah, so on. Treatment of prisoners, <clears throat> you know, ban, hostages. Bans on certain munition types. Bans on certain mm, types yeah. of warfare. You're not supposed to embark on. Uh, you're not supposed to Chemical engage in warfare. Siege, siege warfare anymore. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily stop people, but there you go. One of the examples that came into my mind while you were while you were talking about uh, the, the the sort of it all being uh, regulated mm. is in um, Dune, uh, oh, okay. the Frank Herbert novels. Uh, there are various mentions of a system called Canley, which is uh, the system of vendetta. Yeah. And what I would know was Weirgild. <clears throat> essentially, and this is yeah. yeah, this is this is what sort of sort of just caught my mind there because it was like there are rules about how and when you can assassinate people. Yes. And what has to happen if somebody gets assassinated? What can be done back at you and all that kind of yeah. thing? And how long it goes on. And it's, it's very much a sort of art of, form, you know. Yeah, the, the whole sagas, there's a lot of them full of vengeance that carries on between two families down generations. Mm. Or, and then the third family will step in and try and mediate it and it'll all kind of get a bit really... And then the two families that were originally fighting will band together yeah, and turn and, on the third. And you're like, that's what, what happens. is going on? But yes, law and war... And get my teeth the right way around. Yeah, law and war, they're maybe not as separate as I first... When I was trying to reconcile this in my head and think about what to talk about, those two aren't as far apart as I thought they were because you've got things like rules of engagement. You've yeah. got things like law of compensation for damage done in war. Mm -hmm. uh, you've also got the sort of the slightly bigger aspects. If you're in a law court and in a battle... Both sides are trying to win. Yeah. And the likelihood is one side won't. Yep. In general. <laughs> Granted, it gets a bit twiddly. But in, in big, kind of simple terms, both sides are coming together to try and figure out who is going to win. Yeah. And who is there, by extension, going to be written down in the books as not the winner. Yeah. It is a... It is a... <clears throat> a, a uh, yeah, a, confront a confrontation in both cases. Yeah. Um, with regulation, certain things can be done, certain things can't be done. Um, one hopes there is a few fewer dismemberments in a court in a law court. But oh, I don't know. I've sat in some law courts. And <laughs> I get a wee bit kind of heated on occasion. But again, if you go into a courtroom mm. in the UK here, if you walk into a courtroom and you are entitled as a member of the public, to walk in and sit and watch any case being done. Yeah. There are only very, very rare times when a judge will clear the court. Mm. So you can, as a member of the public, just walk into a courtroom and sit down and watch. It's part of the open system of justice that we have, or mm. law that we have, not justice. Yeah. Um, and Evidence, <clears throat> that which is seen. Yes, not that which is maybe remembered. Not necessarily. Which is where it gets really fun, but I'm not <laughs> going to go there. Let's go back to the concept of sacrifice, because I said right at the beginning, he's sacrificed by association. We looked at the, the binding of Fenrir uh -huh. briefly, like Twitter version, lols. <laughs> um, if you look at sacrifice to the gods, as in human beings giving sacrifice to the gods, yeah. the best example that we've got is in Hakon the Goods Saga. Okay. Written by Snorri Stilson, who is everybody's favourite Christian historian. Indeed. Oh yes, oh yes he is. Absolutely reliable at totally all not junctures. All reliable, but keep that in mind as you're reading his stuff. We, I mean, it's fair to say, <clears throat> we, we, you know, we make silly comments, but 
we can't trust that he is reliable because he was coming at it from a Christian perspective. He was. And, which is not to say that Christians are unreliable. No. But only because his, his was, a, was a different culture he might not necessarily have understood. He might have, you know, as however honest he wanted to be, he might have introduced bias or misinterpretation. He may have certainly introduced bias. We just don't quite... The trick is knowing where. The trick is knowing where. And, of course, we have to bear in mind the possibility that he actually is reliable in some cases. Oh, yeah. And it might not be that all too. the time. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, he's the, a little point, bit like, you know, bar of soap in a bath. The point is, all we can basically do with anything that he's written down is go, he wrote that down. Yeah, and that's, that's all we can draw from it. literally <laughs> as far as you can take it. And after that, it gets very fun and very academic and slightly yeah. heated. But he writes down the saga of Hakon the Good which has a very extensive description of sacrifice to the gods. Okay. Now, he says there's a sacrifice of many animals on this particular occasion, and the blood from those animals is collected right. in bowls, and there are twigs which are dipped in the bowls of blood and then used to flick the altars uh-huh. with blood and the walls, so presumably we're inside a building. Yeah. And... The people who are gathered there to see it. Okay. They all get kind of spattered. All right. Which, you know, Vikings washing machines ain't going to come out. And they're probably quite used to removing blood from clothing. But, (laughs) you know, it's kind of, you dress up in your Sunday basting and there you go. So he says that they use twigs to spatter this blood on the walls and the altars and the people gathered as well. Okay. He says the meat from the animals is then cooked. Mm-hmm. Beer is then drawn out into full vessels. And the food and drink is blessed before it's shared out. Mm. The meat's eaten and then there are toasts with the beer. The first toast is to Odin. Yeah. The second toast is to Njord and to Frey. Yeah. Then there is a round of personal pledges. Yeah boasts personal pledges saying i will go and win all the shinies it's going to be awesome watch this and hold my beer and then there's a final round of toasts to the kinsmen in the burial mounds okay which is kind of nice he's not the only one that mentions animal sacrifice if we look at the account of adam of bremen mm-hmm. now he's kif. A, kif yes we're gonna do a whole episode on kif Okay. Um, he's a historian. Basically, his entire job as a monk is to trail this guy round northern Europe into Germany and back up into northern Europe and back down into Germany and back up into northern Europe. Hence, Bremen, where he comes from, Adam yep. of Bremen. He's tracking a guy called Ansgar. Zap Brannigan. Zap Brannigan. Yeah. We're going to explain that reference in a future <laughs> episode because this is uh, there's a whole meal in here and I love it. Um, he basically gets to write the account down of Saint, uh, of Ansgar, who later becomes Saint Ansgar. Okay. He becomes a saint. So Adam of Bremen's work is then right at the top of the New York bestseller list. Oh, yeah. And he becomes a very, very happy man. Yeah. And does all manner of awesome things on his own. But right at the beginning, right now, he's basically a historian trailing this one guy around the countryside doing his thing. Yeah. And he writes... That at the temple at Uppsala, which is one of the only descriptions of what a pagan temple looked like, a Viking temple looked like, he says that they sacrificed nine... Every nine years they came together to honour the gods. Every nine years? A little bit long for my liking. That does seem a long time. Yeah, because, you know, that's going to have to be a heck of a party after nine years, and then you've got to wait another nine years before you come back. Uh, Yeah. For me... That's too long, but there you go. But he's getting the number nine in there, and you, you, you kind of already know that nine is a significant... It's a thing. Nine is important in in uh, Norse yeah. uh, circles, as 40 is important in Judeo-Christian yes. scripture and stuff. It's, yeah. it, I, it, I, I'm, I have always kind of assumed it was one of those sort of symbolic numbers, you know? It is. It, it gets mentioned nines and threes and multiples of three Yeah, are quite frequent mentions all the way through the law so he says they take nine males of animals of horses of i think it's dogs and of humans okay 
and they have trees around the outside of the temple in which they hang them. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So, I'm not sure whether it's just the humans that get hung. Hanged. Hanged. Hinged. Honged. Hinged. That. <laughs> because the logistics of trying to hang a horse, I can't quite get into my head. But there you go. So he also talks about animal sacrifice to the gods and human sacrifice to the gods. And now all I can think about is blazing saddles. And, yeah... Where I do believe somebody hangs a horse at one point. Gah! Oh, it's implied that they're going to, or... Ah! Oh, yeah, no, no, don't worry, it's just a man and a horse being hung out there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You don't actually see it. No, good, thank gods. No, gah! Um, Whether you do it in real life, I don't know. It does seem heathen sensibilities kicking in here of oh yeah yeah. So people kind of like with Sturlson, people looked at the work of Adam of Brennan when it went lol nope. No, ain't happening. What because they because they looked at it and went that's ridiculous that that couldn't be real. Especially with the human sacrifice part. Yeah. yeah. Now we have got Ibn Fadlan's account of human sacrifice at a funeral. That's true. And there are... Everybody was like, Adam of Bremen. Uh, really? Really, because though, really? Because people... Ibn Fadlan talks about uh, a... I forget who it is that's being... I'm sorry, I forget who it is that's being buried, but I, I, he, he talks about the, the killing of a, of a servant girl. A, a servant girl who is chosen. Uh, well, she, she volunteers. Yeah. And she basically lives the high life while the burial place is being prepared. Yeah. And she, you know, is treated absolutely royally for that short period. Mm. And then she's taken and sacrificed and laid aside her, her, I don't know what you'd call it, master. I, mean, I don't even know what that relationship would have been. Owner? No. Previous owner? Owner, master. Yeah. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, but... He talks about human, single human sacrifice, but Adam of Bremen is talking about multiple human sacrifices yeah. no, to honour the gods. Whereas Hack on the Good only talks about animals being sacrificed. Okay. Adam of Brennan very specifically says people. And people kind of looked at Adam of Bremen's account and went, yeah, no. Until they did an archaeological dig at a site called Trelleborg. Okay. Which is a fortress site. I'm not going to enjoy this bit, am I? Maybe not. Um, they found wells in the fortress site three meter deep uh-huh. wells and they found what they're understanding as human sacrifices in right. the bottom of the wells they found five right in the wells at Trelleborg four of them are children aged between the ages of four and seven moving on yeah okay so, <laughs> so yeah the whole issue of sacrifice to me now means something a lot different to the saga of Hack on the Good. Yeah. It means something a lot different to what happened at Trelleborg. Yep. It means something a lot different to Ibn Fadlan and Adam of Bremen. It means something much, much different to me now. Mm-hmm. So, lovely listeners around at the virtual campfire, here are some questions. Because you're going to work for your marshmallows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... We can do s'mores! We can do s'mores! We have mastered the art of the s'more. Somebody was showing us how to do s'mores the Mm. other week. That was good. Yeah, like eating chocolate liquid napalm sandwiched between two crackers. I didn't manage to do mine very well. I I didn't really... I didn't over-toast my marshmallows enough. Anyway. We we had varying successes with the s'mores, but they were still good. They were good. They were still good. So, lovely listeners around the virtual campfire... What is sacrifice? What does it mean to you? Now, I'm aware, looking at a certain coffee-powered druid not (laughs) sat a million miles away from me, that sacrifice to you means something different to me. Well, I think think the basic idea is probably much the same. I mean, it is... To me, sacrifice is... is, Essentially, giving giving something up that is that is important to you, 
of worth yeah. for uh, you know uh, whether you call it sort of symbolic. I mean, I want to say f- symbolic, but it could be entirely practical. Yeah. Um, but generally speaking, it's a way of interacting. I mean, in religious terms, it's a way of interacting with the gods by giving, by showing them that you're serious, by giving up something that's of great importance to you. Yes. In effect. Yeah. So to me, a sacrifice doesn't have to be. In my case, it's very definitely not an animal. Yeah. It's. It may be that it's an offering of mead that I give during prayers or during a blot, during uh, just a quiet word where I'm sat on the back step and I've got a cup of coffee and I'll make them a cup of coffee and I'll have a cup of coffee. It's, it might be a sacrifice of time. Mm -hmm. If you're looking at whether you should go and study academically and you're thinking, well, what are my pros and cons in doing this? Yeah. Then is it that you've got to give up time to acquire knowledge? Or give up time and money to acquire knowledge. Is that the price? Is that your? Is that the price that you are going to pay in full knowledge of what that is going to cost you? Which I suppose does highlight a potential difference, not in the actual act of sacrifice or the the, the logic of sacrifice, but the the reasons between us, the, the the difference in the way you might do it and I might do it. Because <clears> for <throat> me, the Roman pantheon is traditionally very transactional how may um, that big white bull and that knife tell you tar <clears throat> exactly yeah when uh when a roman does sacrifice yes it's part of the uh in the old days it would have been part of the routine yes um, state sacrifice yeah you would yeah. you would you would do sacrifice to show that you were you were doing your part in in the pax deorum the the peace of the gods the arrangement that the the, the humans had with the gods uh, whereby you showed them the proper respect and, and devotion. They and didn't they, stamp on you. Yeah, basically they yeah. didn't stamp on you. But you could also offer sacrifice if you wanted something. And in whereas for a lot of modern religions, like, I mean, in Christianity, that would be... You would have to find ways, <clears throat> of, if you wanted God to do something for you, mm. you would have to find ways of framing that so that it wasn't that you were you were trying to make use of God. You weren't. You're not sort of going there and saying... Okay, Lord, I need a certain thing, and if you do this for me, I will. Because yeah. that's that not transactional. Doesn't sit within the Christian. Doesn't world. sit well. Doesn't, doesn't sit well in Christianity. Sit particularly well within mine, but that's the difference of it's yours is a very purely business transactional. You know, see yeah. here, Mars. If you be the man for this job, I will give you a fine dove or a fine white lamb. Yeah, I understand essentially, that's the way of there would be in 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 the the, the Roman system was very much a case of because they don't care about us some religions where will have it that the gods are are, are very engaged with humanity and they mm. you know they might they want the best for us and all that. So it's a very common uh, theme in monotheism especially abrahamic monotheism where they will they they will all all those faiths will assume that god is loving and merciful and all that kind Benevolent of thing and, and kind he, of he wants thing. to to look after you he wants he loves you and he wants to, to to do what's best for you and all that kind of thing yeah not so in 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 rome they're more or less mechanisms mm. you know you you essentially have to you have to call for their attention and then you have to make their attention worthwhile yes i mean that's kind of i don't know where mine would sit in relation to that yes i have to call for their intention because they're not omnipotent yeah but I tend to treat them, uh, treat the time I have with them as sacred and spending time with, I don't know how you'd put it, almost like spending time with elders of your family. You look forward to it. You want to give them gifts and show them respect and give them time and tell them news. Yeah. But it's not a business transaction. No. So, yeah, the nature of sacrifice to me is kind of entangled up in that. I can't look at it as a cosmic give me no because it isn't not for me well that in, in <laughs> fairness in fairness it's not i wouldn't put it quite like that for for for, for us either for me either <laughs> yeah. um it's not so much a give me it's a i want a thing and i'm willing to pay a fair price for it yeah this is what i think is a fair price 
and therefore correct me if I'm wrong, but I still want the thing. If you think it's a fair price, Do please it. give me the thing. Yeah. If you don't think it's a fair price, you, you're not going to give me the thing, and that's... Yeah. You know, and that's, that's yeah. kind of the way I it mean, works. For yours, you might call on them to help you do a certain thing. Yeah, yeah. You might... I seem to remember in the series Rome... Um, historical documents. Historical documents. <clears throat> Rome. Actually, it is pretty good at the way yeah. the way it handles religion. To be honest, it, it is it is pretty uh, pretty decent. The times uh, we the times we see religion in that, yes, uh, or interactions with the gods in that, they are done actually pretty well. Well, I'm thinking of Pullo and Varinus on the road. Yeah. And they've just killed a bunch of bandits, I think, to rescue Octavian. Yes. And Varinus says, "See here, Mars, I send you these men." That's Pullo. Pullo. No, Verinus has an exact count of how many he's sent. That's right, yes, and he And Pullo does. doesn't. Yeah. And Verinus is absolutely scandalised that Pullo doesn't know how many he's sent. Yeah. Because Verinus is absolutely precisely... <clears throat> he's keeping a count. <clears throat> yeah. So, you know, Verinus knows precisely what the value of his sacrifice is, whereas Pullo doesn't. Yeah. He just, you know, understands that it's enough. He hopes it's enough, yeah. He but believes it's enough. Yeah, do, he believes it's enough, but doesn't actually know. Whereas yeah. Varinus knows for concrete, absolutely, this is the number I have sent to Mars. That's right. So, for me, the nature of sacrifice as a heathen, if I study, mm -hmm. I am giving up time. Yep. I am probably going to be giving up money in the form of course fees, or not, yeah. depending. But I am giving up time, and I am acquiring knowledge. Yeah. I like this as a, <laughs> as a sacrifice. I tend to do it quite a lot. I like learning and I like being able to do things. But sacrifice, giving up that time, that's leisure time. Yeah. That might be time I could work overtime at work, which has a knock-on effect on the amount of money the household has. Mm. So I have to balance these decisions very carefully. And I have to look at, when I'm in doing blot, what am I giving to the gods? Mm. It's better not to give than to give too much. Okay, yeah. So... Because in your... In the Norse... If I say religion, yeah. you know I'm talking in, <laughs> yeah, yeah. A, in a Roman sense. Yeah. I'm not using the word in the modern interpretation. I'm saying the religion as in the obligation that you have, and the interaction you have with the gods. Yeah. Uh, I could say the cultus, but that's... Potentially yeah. got even. That's even potentially it's, more loaded. Yeah, it's that's got a whole kind of. You ain't getting the baggage of that through a revolving door. No, no. Carry on. The the the, the cult is just simply being the, the 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 literally the cultivation of the relationship with that god. Yes. Um. So, but as I understand from what you've told me previously, or what you've you've said previously on 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 Frithcast, is there is a an understanding that a gift demands a gift. Yes. And if you. You might give somebody something out of, you know, what, what we would give somebody out of sheer generosity. And yet some, that person might still feel a little bit indebted to you. Yep, there's an obligation. Whereas in the Norse <clears throat> uh, religion, re reciprocity and, and social structure is much more... Yeah. Uh, Emphasised. Yeah, it's much yeah. more explicit. If you give me this expensive thing, I have to give you an expensive thing back. Or... Or you dishonour me. Yes, or... Sort of... Or your social status is marked... I mean, you've got a Jarl... They are, one of their titles is a ring giver. Yeah. When their group had gone raiding or and or not necessarily trading, but when they'd gone raiding and they'd come back with a big bunch of shinies, mm. they all went to the Jarl and the Jarl then gave tokens out to his best warriors. Okay. So he was known as a ring giver because he was giving... Not finger rings, but arm rings and mm. treasure out. So it then brings in the first rune, fail. Uh -huh. Money is like muck. It's no good unless you spread it. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of, if you hoard it, you start If you getting... hoard it, they will come. No, not quite. Um, if you hoard it, you start getting into the need rune, which is where... Need is an iron band on your chest. It's this jealousy, this keeping it back. We've seen it in some of the myth cycle, the sagas, the the whole thing with Sigurd, who's a hero we'll go into later, and killing the dragon Fafnir is because Fafnir is guarding a treasure 
and that gets very, very complicated. You get a whole kind of Wagner, pointy-boobed Valkyrie thing going on later on. <laughs> we'll get into that. Um, let's come back to sacrifice. Okay. The nature of sacrifice to me as a modern heathen is complex. Yeah. I do not want to make the gods resentful by offering them too much. Yeah. I do not want to make them kind of like frustrated by not offering them enough. Yeah. I have to find balances where I acknowledge them. I respect them. I go and greet them. I give them my news. I sit and wait for them to talk to me. Yeah. And I might offer them a drink like you might do buying rounds in a pub. Mm, mm. You might say, right, the next round is mine. And then the next person says, right, the next round is mine. And thus you get that social obligation, that connection. Can Mutual I just, gift giving in pints of beer. Can I just point out mm -hmm. how many Roman gods there are? Yeah, your round is going to be really big. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna have to kind of do it in like five drinks at a time yeah. because that's gonna get complicated <laughs> we have to we have to focus we have to yeah. pick one just yeah pick or one pick many. two pick say hello to all of them and pick one or two or just pick one yeah. and talk to them so yeah sacrifice to me from what it was from the records that we have sacrifice to me is something now completely different yeah it's a very different ideal and I still recognise the value of it in what I do and I recognise that certain things have a price. Yeah. Certain things, sacrifices not may not be done to benefit me. Mm. It may not be time in exchange for knowledge. No. It may be, you know, part of my wealth that I give up to benefit the community. Oh, yeah. I mean, it doesn't. it certainly doesn't have to be... You know, even for us, I, I mean, I talk a lot about I want something, therefore I'll give you a fair price for it. It doesn't necessarily mm. have to be that you want something for yourself. No. You know, I want a good harvest this year. Yeah. I want good weather this year. I want a safe crossing for this, uh, this, this family. This voyage or this... full of, yeah, this trading boat full of shinies. I yeah. want to be able to take it around the Mediterranean without getting it sunk. Yeah. 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 So it's very much... It's a very complex question for me, and it's very much a very personal one. And every heathen I've spoken to on the nature of sacrifice has come back with something completely different. Yes. Lovely listeners, we cannot tell you how to heal. <laughs> this is where you get to do your own thing, get to do your own bit of thinking. Think about the things that you've made that you would define as sacrifices. Mm. And maybe some of the things that you've done or experienced that you wouldn't initially define as a sacrifice but then maybe when you look at them and there's been a price to be paid yeah and you've willingly gone into it and paid it you know where has that benefit gone is yeah. it for you is it for somebody else is it for a community is it for society at large mm. do you work in a job that benefits the society do you work in the military and therefore look at protecting society on a different level to somebody who works in law yeah or in a courthouse and is doing a or civic a job or in a hospital mm. or who is picking litter and cleaning streets or who is repairing roads or who is delivering mail yeah. or who is a librarian, or who is a teacher. Mm. Are those jobs that you would look at as having an element of sacrifice mm. because you are working towards a civic benefit? Yeah. Not a personal one. Your work is, is yeah. Yeah, it's it it is. Um, so it kind of gets big, and it, it gets complex, and it's very, for me, it's very far removed to the accounts. The way I look at sacrifice now, is very very far removed from the way that the sagas or the myth cycle will look at the concept of sacrifice. I would have to I would have to agree. I mean, blood sacrifice was a was a very routine part of ancient Roman society. Yeah. Um, as it sounds as though at least the, there are elements of of it in yes the norse society there are very in, very few but there are some accounts in what we might call the, the 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 sort of i don't know what you call it like the golden the golden age of vikings um yeah. you know the 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 where the norse culture becomes distinctly viking as we would understand it yeah um i always think of that as sort of like 750 to sort of 11 something Ish. something like that um, yeah, it's always a bit ish. It's always a bit ish. Of course, it is. I mean, the, the, you know that there was a culture before that, and there's a culture after that. 
Yeah, um, and they didn't sort of stop one day and then wake up in another culture the day after. Right. Midnight, the clocks go back an hour and you all become this. Yeah, we're not, not Vikings, Vikings anymore. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Something else now. But um, Cultures don't do that. They evolve. They don't have very kind of definite stop and start dates very much. Mm. But you have... Because then it's very difficult to talk about a nebulous people in a nebulous kind of chronological yeah. state. In a nebulous geographical area, there are generally accepted dates-ish. It's certainly... Kind of. Yeah. It's certainly... <laughs> um, the, 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 like I say, blood sacrifice was a very common part of Roman religion, certainly. I don't believe they practiced human sacrifice. And in fact, the idea that other cultures did at the time... Mm. Uh, was was often used as propaganda against them. Uh, it's one of the things. I mean, C um, Caesar wrote in De Bello Gallico, um, uh, and his his accounts of the the this campaign. I think I think um, Tacitus did as well. Tacitus, however you want to do it. In, oh, um, Germania. Yeah, and yeah. he spoke of the when he was writing of the Druids, mm. the the actual Druid, the original Druids. He spoke of them engaging in human sacrifice, but. The thing is, we can't know for sure. There's no reason to assume they 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 wouldn't have. Uh, whereas, you know, we can't afford to ascribe modern <clears throat> yeah. modern ethics to them. But there's no clear evidence to say that they did because if Caesar was going into uh, Gaul and Britain and saying, "Look at these people, how barbaric they are. Yeah, we need to bring the light savages. of yeah, we need to bring the light of Rome to these people and and help them into into civilization." Get them their so underfloor heating. One of the primary arguments he might use is, "Look, they are so barbaric; they even sacrifice human beings." It it you know yeah it wouldn't have been un un uh, not beyond the rules of propaganda. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But my own feeling on it is, is obviously has you know we. I don't do blood sacrifice. I mean, I eat meat, but I don't do religious blood sacrifice mm. because to me, it's always seemed a bit of a logical twist. Yes. There's a logic in my head that says these are living things. Yeah. Now I'm not going to get all sort of, you know, you mustn't ever kill a living thing. <laughs> I, I try not to as a rule, but these are living things. If I'm going to sacrifice something, the idea is that I give something up. Mm -hmm. It is not that I force somebody else to give something up. And that's yes. the way I've always looked at it. Now, obviously, if, you're, if your society is uh, very, you know, if, you're, if your livestock is basically your fortune, mm. then clearly I can, I can understand that sacrificing a sheep or, a, or, or whatever is, is a, a financial loss for you. Mm. But yeah, in the modern world, it doesn't work quite that way, and I, at least not for, you know, not for the many many people who are not farmers anyway. Yes. But I, I sort of so for me, it's it's always been a case of I don't believe that blood sacrifice is, is a legitimate sacrifice in this day and age, mm. because it does not represent a loss for me. For you personally. At the, at the most, if I go out and buy a goat, yeah, and then I kill the goat. I've lost the money that I spent on the goat. Yes. So, easier just to give up that money. Yeah. Less mess. Also, yes. Less moral qualms. Yes. Um, and I still get to point that money at something that I, I want. Hmm. You know, so I, I want that god to do a certain thing, so I will <laughs> donate money to something that is associated with that god. Yes. I get that. Yeah, okay. So, lovely listeners, we're going to leave you pondering the meaning of sacrifice in your own lives. What it means, what you do, do you do different things in ritual to the things you do in your everyday life? Is mm -hmm. part of your everyday life sacrifice? Yeah. And we're going to talk to you all next time for episode 65. 65? 65! Lovely listeners, if you would like to find us online... You can find me, I'm Suzanne Martin. I'm on Facebook as Suzanne Martin. And I'm also on Twitter at Geetha in Jeans. And if for any reason you want to uh, contact me, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook as Kate Coldwind. And uh, my um, sort of website thing uh, <laughs> is at glassrain.net. I would be more than happy for you to contact me on any of those. Yeah. So if you want to come and send us a friend request or say hi or 
matter to us about anything that we've mentioned in Frithcast, please come and do so. We'd love to talk to you. There might be a bit of a time delay because we're here in the UK, but it's all good and we will get to you. Um, Lovely listeners, bank the embers up in the virtual campfire. We will leave you settled around, having a think about the nature of sacrifice, and we will talk to you all next time for episode 65. And if you can't find the marshmallows, it was nothing to do with me. (laughs) Slash legs it into the forest. (laughs) Good night, lovely listeners. Good night. (laughs) Bye. Stay.